let's talk about digital identity, the podcast connecting identity and business. I am your host, Oscar Santolayo. Hello and thanks for joining. Today we are going to hear about the importance of women in identity. And for that, I would like to introduce Emma Lindley. She is an advisor on digital identity and co-founder of Women in Identity, a not-for-profit organization focused on developing diversity in the identity industry. Over a career of 16 years in identity, Emma has held various roles, most recently as Head of Identity and Risk at Visa, previous board-level roles at Confirm, Innovate Identity, and the Open Identity Exchange, and was instrumental in the commercial development of GB Group's position in the identity market back in 2003. She has been recognized in the No Identity Top 100 Leaders in Identity in 2017, 18, and 19, the Innovate Finance Power List for Women 2016 and 17, and was voted CEO of the Year at the No Identity Awards. She has an MBA from Manchester Business School and completed her thesis in Competitive Strategy in the Identity Market. Hello, Emma. Hi, Oscar. It's very nice talking with you, Emma, and I really want to hear more about women identity and what you have been doing. And so let's start. Let's talk about digital identity. For sure. So please tell me a bit of your journey, how you enter to this world of digital identity. Sure. So, I mean, I started in the identity industry back in 2003 and it's interesting, actually, I kind of didn't intentionally move into this industry. I was working at a company based in the UK, and we had some data about kind of UK citizens, uh, things like the electoral roll and some telephone records. Mm-hmm. And the CEO at the time had quite a lot of kind of, you know, foresight into the future. And he said, I think this this problem with kind of online identity is it's going to become a thing. And he asked a small team of us to get together. There was six of us at the time asked to get together and develop a product proposition around using some of the data that we had about UK people to help with this kind of problem that he foresaw in the future around identity and online identity. And the product that we put together replicated the process that banks have to go through, the KYC, know your customer process that banks had to go through at the time to check people's identities. And the way that the banks in the UK did that at the time was looking at, you know, paper-based processes, looking at passports, Mm -hmm. looking at driving licenses. Often people had to go into a branch to do that process. You know, that was more often than not. There were some electronic databases around at the time, but not many. And so we set about building a process that directly replicated the manual processes that the banks had to do. The first product, minimum viable product that we put together was on a Mm CD-ROM, which I think always kind of makes people laugh now. (laughs) And then we took that proposition out to a few companies and we got some really good feedback. And then we did a kind of joint venture with British Telecom to put that into a web services environment. So we effectively kind of built the product and BT did all of the secure hosting for us. But that meant that, you know, we could serve the service 24-7 and it meant that all the banks could 
use an API, use web services Mm -hmm. and use the service 24-7. It was a real game changer for the industry in the UK. And we sold it to all the banks and a whole bunch of other companies, telecoms companies, online gambling companies in 2005 when the gambling market in the UK regulated. And yeah, that's how I kind of got into the industry. So it wasn't intentional, but it certainly has kept me interested over this time. You know, there's been a huge amount of change and I've done a whole variety of kind of roles since then. And one of those roles was developing that kind of electronic identification service out globally. I've run my own consulting firm and most recently I was head of identity and risk at Visa. So yeah, it certainly kept me kept me interested. And over time I think, you know, people, particularly my family, have become more familiar with what I do, you know, and I think that's you know, an unfortunate thing because, you know, we have a lot more stuff in the press about people's identities being stolen. Mm. We obviously have a lot more data breaches, which have been in the press, but it, it does now need my, mean that my family now know what I do. So that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, excellent. So you were actually creating one of the earliest identity products in for the UK. So that's excellent. So what, what was your original role in this original position you entered to, into this company? Yeah, so I started out and I started out life as more kind of like business development so understanding market needs and then helping feedback into the product proposition Mm. and then going out and getting kind of early stage feedback from organizations you know I started out life in kind of business development sales and then I've moved in through you know, a number of different roles. I've run product teams. Mm -hmm. I've run professional services implementation teams. So it's interesting because I haven't necessarily come from a kind of technical background. And I think that's the one of the beauty about the, you know, the identity industry, even though, you know, a lot of the things, you know, the way that we look at solving kind of digital identity is using technology. Mm-hmm. It's very much a problem that I think non-technical and technical people have a very valid voice in. And I think it's important for us to have non-technical people in the area of, of identity because it involves humans. And, you know, that's an incredibly diverse topic. Humans are, mm-hmm. you know, we're not a piece of technology. And so I think it's important to have non-technical and technical people working in the field. So I think it's a great and interesting field and something that, you know, kind of anybody can join. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't agree more. We need to uh people from all backgrounds and you are a great example of that. And today from from your perspective, from the experience that you have been having in identity already for 16 years, correct? And could yeah. you tell me what do you think, what, on your opinion, what are the main challenges today in digital identity? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there are a number of challenges around and I'll try and kind of cut it down. You know, for the identity industry, I think there are a number of challenges. But I also think just for the general kind of population, if we, you know, focus on, you know, identity around people rather than, you know, IoT devices for Mm. the moment. I think there are kind of three things from a, you know, a user perspective. One of those is we have, you know, and this is well documented, 1.1 billion people that are unable to 
get, you know, cannot be identified because they don't have the basic feeder documents to get even, you know, have a legal identity. And it's interesting because we hook a lot of the identification processes around, you know, government issued documents and not necessarily everybody has those that kind of documentation. You know, there's even segments of the UK population that don't have passports and don't have driving licenses. Mm-hmm. And often they are the most disadvantaged people. Sure. So um, I'll use a UK example. You know, a passport in the UK costs £70 to mm. to apply for. If you're going to get a passport and pay the £70, that probably means that you're thinking about going traveling abroad. Mm -hmm. Um, If you don't have a lot of money, you probably haven't got the £70 and you probably haven't, you know, got the money to go abroad. And then the other thing, so people then kind of, you know, perhaps who who have less money, you know, don't tend to get passports. And then if we think about the other document that we use in the UK, that's the driving license. Again, the process for that, you don't have to pay for a driving license, but you need to be thinking about, well, I might be getting driving lessons to learn to drive. Mm -hmm. Those cost a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And then you might be thinking, well, I need to buy a car. (laughs) And again, those things cost money. And I think if people don't have money, and I have seen this in a number of projects that I've run in areas of the UK where there is there is more poverty, people don't have passports and driving licenses. And so what we find is that people that are already disadvantaged are then unable to get perhaps bank accounts. They're unable to get into, you know, the financial services products. They're unable to make the savings. They're unable to move into the digital world and we've got all these you know the people that you know people talk about you know in in countries like Africa who don't have a lot of these feeder documents but it's not just a third world problem it's also a first world problem so I think that's one of the the one of the key issues for people I think the other thing about that we have around digital identity and you know authentication and all that type of thing and you know keeping people's people data safe online is people just it's getting so much more complex and people I don't think really understand how to keep their data safe you know they don't know how to you know passwords are fraught with problems you know trying to remember all the people you know people trying to remember their passwords is really challenging Mm -hmm. and I think that's also a real challenge it's getting more complex the fraudsters are getting more sophisticated and I think that's a challenge for people. And I think the other thing around digital identity is people just understanding what it is, you know. And I think, you know, there are countries, particularly in the Scandies, where they've done particularly well around digital identity, you know, the bank ID. In Finland, obviously, they've had um, Tupas, and I know that that's changing in September. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, there are some examples where we can see that the kind of digital identity infrastructure has done well and has, you know, Estonia, for example. But in a lot of countries, I don't think people understand what it is, you know. And so, you know, the UK, for example, it's incredibly fragmented. We've got lots of different types of solutions. The government have had a GovUK verify, but that hasn't had the uptake that was needed. There are some private sector solutions, but the uptake, again, is, you know, in the millions, not in the tens of millions. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really challenging for people to understand what a digital identity is. You know, a lot of people think, well, that's my Facebook login, you know, and it's not. And so I think that that kind of leaves us with issues. And I think from an industry perspective, we have some challenges as well. I think one of the main challenges we have is is interoperability. 
now in Europe, we've got this framework, which is EIDAS, but that's taken a long time for people to kind of get into that mm. framework. And then we don't have interoperability across, you know, across other markets. You know, you don't have interoperability between, you know, Canada and Australia, for example. So I think that's one of the challenges. And we, as an industry, have so many different solutions. Mm, yeah. You know, we've got, you know, and everyone's kind of commercially competing. And I don't think there's enough collaboration. And I think that the other thing, and this kind of ties back with what I was saying about people, I think as an industry, we tend to be too technically focused. And I'm making a bit of a generalizing sweeping statement there, but I tend to see that there's not enough user experience testing done for, for users and that helping people understand like how they keep things secure and what a digital identity is and how they can use it and what it means and you know all of those types of things I think that's a challenge for us as an industry because we tend to come at solutions perhaps from our own viewpoint and if we are you know perhaps all quite technically savvy you know all that type of thing then we'll come at things with that viewpoint and not everybody you know, is particularly technically savvy. You know, I've sat in on a lot of user testing and, you know, people don't know how to use things like FaceTime, you know. And so I think we're kind of when we start talking about, you know, cryptographic keys and, mm -hmm. you know, all of this type of stuff. As an industry, we need to be making things more simple for people to understand and we need to be doing user testing and we need to be iterating our solutions around the user. So those are the biggest challenges, I think, that are in identity today. So there's quite a lot, but I think oh, yes. that some of those are quite interlinked. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you, have, you have mentioned uh, quite a few, and, and it's true. It feels like digital identity is not so connected to people. One of the reasons you mentioned is, is expensive, right? Billions billion of people who don't yeah. have at all. And, and also the ones who might be closer find it difficult because it's very technical. So, yeah. We have yep. many challenges to solve. Many challenges, many the, challenges. Exactly, yeah. the ones who, who, like you and me, who are working in this industry. <laughs> and exactly. So now let's go to uh, what I'd like to discuss um, more detail with you. This project, a very interesting project, Women in Identity. Start telling us a bit how it started, what, uh, what the history Sure. So around two years ago, there was a few of us in who'd been in the industry for quite a long time. And we kind of ended up having a conversation with each other around two years ago. And we were all kind of thinking the same thing. We were like, hey, we don't have there's lots of women in groups, women in tech groups, women in, in you know, fintech groups in other industries. We don't have one in our industry and we were kind of discussing and saying do we think that this is even a thing do we think people would be interested and so we decided to test it out and two years ago the identiverse conference said well okay i'll tell you what we'll do we'll give you a room at our conference and over the lunchtime we'll send some lunch to that room we'll advertise that you're going to have a kind of women in identity meetup and just see how it goes so there was a few of us there and we put together a kind of slide deck and we were like you know this is kind of what we're thinking about a women in identity group might be and we were 
at the luncheon, we were thinking, well, you know, only 10 people might turn up and uh, that kind of might be it. But we were really, really pleasantly surprised. There was standing room only. There wasn't even enough seats for people to sit down. We ran out of lunch because there wasn't enough food for people. And, you know, it was just amazing to see the turnout at the conference. And so we were really encouraged by that. And we thought, well, hey, this kind of feels like it. You know, it's a thing. And so what we decided to do was just to test the proposition. And over the sort of last two years, we've been running meetups globally in kind of various different countries just to get feedback from different people and from industry to understand what a you know, women in identity group might be. And over that time, we've just taken lots of feedback from, from people, but we've also you know, looked at research that's coming out of places like MIT around some of the issues around technology and the lack of diversity in technology. And I think what that, that's led us to really is the group is called, you know, Women in Identity. And it is a not-for-profit organization, membership organization that we have formed. But it's not just about women. It is absolutely about all diversity in our industry and ensuring that and we are an industry facing organization we're shining a light on the industry and we're you know we're saying to the industry we need to make sure that we have diverse teams thinking about these solutions these identity solutions building these solutions testing these solutions because if we don't have that kind of level of diversity, and I was talking earlier on about technical and non-technical, that's just one element of diversity. You know, people from different mm, backgrounds, yes. you know, gender diversity, racial diversity, sexual orientation in terms of diversity. It's really, really important that we have that kind of diversity because what we have started to see is evidence of bias being developed into the technologies that sit in the identity industry. So there's a there's actually a, a piece of research done by a lady called Joy Boulin Winnie. She's from MIT and she found that when they looked at just a just a number of facial recognition systems, but the error rates for a white male face was below one percent. Mm -hmm. And when it got to a female face, that increased to around 20%. And when it got to a female face of color, that error rate went to around 37%. Wow. So if we think about the types of technologies, so I usually give this example, you know, if you think about the types of technologies that the banks are starting to use now, where, you know, you can use, you know, use facial recognition and to access services, perhaps, you know, taking a, a picture of your identity card or your driving license or your passport, and then using facial recognition. If you're a white male, you're more likely to get access to that service than if you're a female face of color by an, an enormous kind of error rate. And so what we're starting to do, you know, inadvertently, you know, no, I think nobody's saying that this is happening deliberately, but inadvertently no. as sure. an industry, we're starting to take some of the biases that we have in the real world and starting to develop those into the systems in the virtual world. And that means that we're actually going to end up with systems that are less inclusive, not more inclusive. And when I go back to one of the biggest problems that we've got in identity is, you know, these people, these 1.1 billion people that don't have an identity, and that's because they don't have the kind of basic documents. But if you think about people that, you know, we talked about diversity, they're not, people might not be 
particularly technical, technologically savvy. Mm -hmm. We're then saying, well, actually, we're also potentially going to have systems that are going to further exclude people. So as an industry, we if, if our aim is to take everybody into the digital world and be able to have a digital identity and be able to get access to services and healthcare and all of your know, education, and all these amazing things that people can get access to with a digital identity, we have to be thinking about, you know, bias within our, you know, inadvertent bias that we might be developing into our systems and the ways in which we can prevent that. And one of the ways in which we can do that is ensure that we have a level of diversity in our organizations, in our teams, in the people that are thinking about and building these solutions. Mm -hmm. Definitely, we need not only women, but also, as you say, diversity for, for many reasons for how yeah. the, this bias come into the products that we are we are using the ones that are coming. So it was excellent to hear that from the very first, you had the very first meetup you had in this conference. It was a huge success, so a lot of interest. And yeah, I mean, even if, if I were in this conference, I would be interested to, just for curiosity, go and see because this is, I feel, is very important. So what's now the, the vision of women identity now that feels to, uh, has already two years, right? it's a bit more established. So what? Yeah. So we are now registered as a not-for-profit organization. We're a membership organization. We are open to anybody. Anybody can join at all, you know, irrespective of, you know, kind of background or gender or anything else. It is the way that we have made it completely inclusive is that it is also free to join. So anybody can join. All you need to do is go to www.womeninidentity.org. And you can join there. In terms of our vision, our vision is that digital identity solutions built for everyone are built by everyone. And our mission is to inspire, elevate and support a more diverse workforce in the digital identity industry. Now, we've held lots of meetups, as I said, over the last couple of years. We are going to be holding more meetups. I, mean, I was just talking to some people yesterday. We, mm -hmm. I think we've got about seven or eight scheduled before the end of the year. Mm -hmm. We are going to be holding meetups in New Zealand, our first one the other side of the world nice. uh, later <laughs> on this year, which is really exciting. We're going to have um, our first meetup in the Netherlands. We're going to have another one in Germany. We're going to be having one in Seattle. And next year, really excitingly, we're going to be having our first one around the ID for Africa conference, and that's going to be in Morocco in June. So we really are starting to develop these meetups. And that is where anybody can go to our meetups, meet other people in the identity industry, you know, who are interested in diversity within our industry. We also have forums on the website. So when you go and you join up, you can then access geographical forums, also vertical sector forums. We have newsletters. So there's a real reason for people to join. We also collaborate with conference organizers. So we have lots of conference organizers who offer us discount codes for our membership. Mm -hmm. So if you join, you can get access to all of those discount codes. So if you want to go to the Gartner conference, for example, mm -hmm. in Las Vegas, December, we have a discount code for that. Gartner have a conference next year. We're going to have a discount code for ID for Africa. So that's what our members get, and that's the value they get. So they get the network, they get the forums, 
they get access to you know conferences so there's a huge amount of value there we're also going to be setting up a kind of mentorship scheme and the other thing that we do is around grassroots development so trying to bring new people into the industry through mentoring but also internships as well mm-hmm. the way that the organization is funded is funded through sponsorship so we are looking for sponsors for women in identity so i mean again if anybody wants to kind of contact us around sponsorship the email address is info at womeninidentity.org we would be really grateful for any organizations who are interested in sponsoring us and there's a different ways in which organizations can sponsor us but obviously there's reciprocal benefit for doing that you know we will help market those organizations and and everything else as well the organization is run by volunteers and you know the board and the leadership team it's all voluntary so again if anybody wants to join women in identity and thinks that they could give up some of their free time and and help the organization we're also looking for volunteers as well from industry so that's the aim that's the mission we as i say we're going to have more meetups over the next 12 months and i would just encourage anybody to join well excellent actually it's impressive how much you are already achieving this next year you're already in africa as you mentioned new zealand very soon and wow it's 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 excellent um what about for women or people from different backgrounds who are listening to this but saying okay well it sounds like a great cause but i'm not really interested in digital identity i'm not sure if i should join this industry or what some examples or reasons you can tell us why you think that this is important uh, that the diversity in the industry is really important Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think we've kind of touched on it, but I think mm-hmm. just having, you know, more diverse voices and more viewpoints in this industry will be really important for the development of the products that we produce. I mean, if we look at some of the evidence around diverse teams and McKinsey and Boston Consulting have done a huge amount of research around diversity and how that improves you know products and how they're developed and also it actually improves the bottom line and the profitability of a business so you know i think that there are really good business reasons for us to have diverse teams in in the organizations but also i think diversity increases the possibilities and the solutions and the ideas that are considered now interestingly the evidence shows that that actually slows down decision making in organizations and causes friction because you've got more diverse voices but it actually creates you know more solutions and expanded number of solutions and i think for the our industry that is so important it's so important that we have a wide range of potential solutions to the problems that we're facing because humanity is incredibly diverse and therefore mm-hmm. we are going to need diverse solutions to solve the problems and the challenges that we have facing us as an industry and so we need to have diverse teams and diverse thinking to do that So I would just encourage anybody to join, you know, whether you come from a technical background or not, you know, whatever your background, you know, it's a super exciting industry to join. And uh, for the ones who are not uh, yet in, in, in digital identity, uh, going to Women in Identity website and getting in touch with uh, Emma and, and the others are, is, a, is a great way to start for sure. Yeah. So finally, can you tell us, uh, you have told us already a bit what is coming, anything else that is coming next from Women Identity that you haven't mentioned you would like to say? 
I think, I mean, I think that the thing I would say is just go to the website, www.womeninidentity.org and join up, you know, join up as a member and you will get access to, I mean, all of the events are going to be on there. We have some already on there, but we're going to be putting some on over the next couple of weeks and just come to one of the meetups, you know, come to one of the meetups. As I said, we're now going to be start running those in, you know, lots of geographical locations mm-hmm. before the end of the year. We've got ones in, you know, the Netherlands. We're going to have one in the UK. We're going to have one in the US. We are going to have one in New Zealand. And next year, you know, as I said, we're going to be expanding out to places like Africa. So I think just come to a meetup near you, find out more about the organization and see if you want to get involved, you know, and how you want to get involved. And I guess it's also possible if someone is not in this uh, location you just mentioned, uh, can start their own meetup, I guess, is contacting you? Absolutely that. Yeah, for sure. They can, if, you know, you're based in a country that we don't have meetups at the moment, then just let us know and, and we will be able, happy to provide you with kind of the, almost like the pack, the deck and the slides and all those types of things to start your own meetup. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, so I would like to ask you now, uh, just to finalize one final question, is uh, some practical tip for anybody to protect our digital identity? I think I'm going to go for a really, really, really simple one, mm-hmm. which is, you know, don't don't reuse passwords across websites. You know, don't, yeah, don't reuse a password across different websites. I think, you know, that's that's one way in which certainly people can protect their data, you know, and also kind of different types of, you know, services that they log into. That's my simplest one. And, and the reason for that is I've actually had a friend this week who's been mm-hmm. busy texting me because she has had a password compromised. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and she's just had some real challenges this week because she's worried about her data and she's worried about, mm-hmm. you know, perhaps more information being socially engineered. There is a really good website that people can go to. Um, it's haveibeenpawned.com uh, and you can check whether your email address has been part of a, a data breach mm-hmm. and I think that that would be my kind of practical advice is don't reuse your passwords across different websites and also just keep on checking whether your email address has been part of a breach yeah many of the ones who never go never gone to this website have, a, have been pwned we'll find surprises <laughs> the first time yeah, they, they put their emails yeah. I know I know I know people just don't check and they don't mm. check that their email address has been part of a breach and this friend of mine this week she went on to have I been pawned and she was like oh, it's been part of seven seven yeah. breaches you know and I was like that's probably why they've got your password yeah and she actually got an email from a somebody who was trying to get Bitcoin out of her, even though she didn't have any Bitcoin. And they were like, we've got your password and your password's this. And and then she was like, I've been reusing it across all these websites. Yeah. So I think that would be just my really, really, you know, kind of baseline level of, you know, keep checking whether your, your email address has been part of a breach and don't reuse your passwords. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Please finally <laughs> remind us how we can find women identity and how can we contact you? What are the best ways for that? Sure. So number of different ways. The website, which is www.womeninidentity.org. You can also go to Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at Women in ID. We're also on Instagram as Women in ID. There is a LinkedIn group. So just search for Women in Identity on LinkedIn. We're also on LinkedIn. And if you want to email the team directly, it's info at womeninidentity.org. Perfect. 
Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure talking with you and hearing about this excellent project, Women Identity, that we definitely are supporting a lot. So thank you and all the best. Thanks so much, Oscar. Thanks for listening. Let's Talk About Digital Identity is produced by UBSecure. Be sure to subscribe and visit ubsecure.com slash podcast to join the conversation and access the show notes. You can also follow us on Twitter at UBSecure or find us on LinkedIn. Until next time.